Turn to the book of Jonah. You got to love my man Jonah. It's a short book of the Bible. That's a rare feat in the Old Testament. He's a minor prophet. Jonah is actually the oldest of all the prophets in the scriptures. Most people don't realize that. But before any of these other prophets are bringing the heat, Jonah is actually preaching. And Jonah is prophesying. And we begin to see right out of the gate, before we read from the scripture, I'll just paraphrase, Jonah and God have some, we got some issues happening. Okay. Now, before we get into the message, let me just bring my own issues to the forefront this morning. Because... Jonah and God have some communication problems, and I had some communication problems yesterday. True story. So I've got a little baseball practice with Graham. We get home, and I've got my cell phone. I'm, I'm resting a little bit before I put the last few touches on the message, and my phone begins to ring from Virginia, of all places, and I answer it. Hi, this is Andy. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering if you got that alpaca for sale still. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what? First off, what is an alpaca? Like, yeah, uh, I see on Craigslist you've got a free 4K TV and an alpaca, which is basically a llama, okay? And I laughed on the phone. I said, man, you got the wrong number. I said, is this Andy? I said, yes, it is. Is your number 470-494-0758? Yes, that is my phone number. Well, I've got a Craigslist ad saying that you're moving to Canada <laughs> and that you're trying to get rid of as much stuff as possible. Go ahead and put it up. Come on. That's fine. I want, I want you guys to see this. <laughs> this is on Craigslist. Okay? With my name. And my phone number. And I had about 45 phone calls and text messages. I kid you not, my favorite being, do you still have the alpaca? I'm desperate for it. I never knew people were so interested in these animals. I couldn't even be mad. It was too good of a prank. And to the person who did that to me, I just would like to say that I do have a unique set of skills. I will find you, and I will pay you back. We had some communication issues. It took me about two people, three people deep to know that somebody was busting my chops on April Fool's. You can imagine there were some issues on my end of the phone. I'm literally watching Field of Dreams, trying to finish this movie before I wrap up the message. And this is what I've got coming through my phone over and over and over and over again. I couldn't make it stop. And so here we open the book of Jonah, and we begin to see something. It's quite different than my communication breakdown, so to speak. But we see some breakdowns beginning to happen between Jonah and God. The, 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 the conversation is not leading where God is desiring it to go. You guys ready this morning? 
Jonah chapter 1, 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now there's a lot of things we can talk about this morning. There's a lot of things two weeks from Easter, one week from Palm Sunday, that we can begin on this message. But I want to to infuse something into us. I want to raise the temperature of our church. If you're a guest today, fantastic. This is a great Sunday for you. If you've never been to church before, amazing. We're so glad that you're here. I want you to hear this, this truth about God today. When we read the Old Testament and we see that the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What the scriptures are telling us is that God speaks. That God speaks. That somehow in his, in his infinite glory, he is communicating words that humanity like you and I can understand. Now in the Old Testament, we see God generally speaking to the nation of Israel through one man. His prophets. He speaks through Moses. He speaks through Joshua. He speaks through the judges. Deborah. He speaks through Samson. God uses these individuals as a mouthpiece to the nation. But when you and I, no longer living in this time period, after Jesus has died, Jesus promised to do something. When he rose again from the grave, he promised those who would put their faith in him this amazing thing called the Holy Spirit. And now no longer does God just speak to the one from the outside in. He speaks to all from the inside out. And I want you to hear that in the very first sentence of the book of Jonah, we are reminded with something that we oftentimes forget. God speaks. God leads. God beckons. God draws you. Sometimes it's not as bold as this moment. But make no mistake about it. If you will listen, you will sense God speaking and leading you. I want you to hear that because more often than not, what we, we, want, we want to speak and we want God to listen. But God says, you be quiet. I'm going to speak. And you listen. And us listening should result in us, that very thing turning into action. Does that make sense? Some of the ways you feel led by the Holy Spirit and that God speaks to us is by praying. It's by being open. It's spiritual disciplines. It's reading the scriptures. But make no mistake about it. That's not what the message is about today. I'm simply declaring this truth and this fact. God speaks. And he still speaks today. It's amazing what takes place. 
Actually, before we even get to Jonah's reaction, look at John 10, 27. Jesus says it like this. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Like a great shepherd leading his sheep. And those sheep, it's like a, like a dog that has learned the sound of his master's voice. I'm home. The, dog is, the dog's already at the front door anyway. But the sheep learn the, the, the voice of the shepherd. But Jesus says something real interesting here because he says, I know them and they follow me. But what we see is that Jonah listens. God knows Jonah. But the last piece here that Jonah has issues with is actually following. What's my man do? He gets on a boat. He says, bump that. I don't want to do that. He finds a port, gets on a boat, gets a crew, pays his fare, and starts sailing. And where does he sail? He sails the exact opposite direction that God has sent him to go. That's not coincidence, in case you're wondering. Jonah was at the airport, so to speak, you know, and he's, he's looking at all the, you know, the ticker dealio, and he's finding the one, the city, the location that is the farthest away from where he's actually supposed to be going. And so here we see a disconnect. God speaks, we listen, we do. But in this case with Jonah, we hear and we see God speaks, Jonah listens, Jonah does not do. What does Jonah do? Jonah runs. And so already we see a chain of events that probably every single person in this room, not probably, every one of you, can identify with, with great ease, is that God is inviting you and asking you and challenging you to do something, and you're running from it. Guilty. Guilty is charged. That's me. That's you. That's all of us. Because all of us know what it's like for the presence of God to be knocking on our heart and us putting on our running shoes so that we can run the other way because we don't want to do or deal with what God is asking us to do or deal with. And I want you to hear this. If you are intent on running from God, you will always find a ship waiting for you. It will always be at the port. That port will always be within walking distance. And you will just magically always seem to find the amount of money you need to pay that fare so that you can get on that ship with that ship that has the perfect amount of shipmates going the perfect direction to get you away from doing what God's asked you to do. It's when you actually accept God's will for your life, his beckoning to you, that you begin to feel that resistance. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? That when you answer the call, how many less people are in your corner cheering you on? Oh, but there's a whole boat full of people saying, come on, bro. We're headed this way. The ticket's cheap. Come on. And that's what Jonah does. 
When I was in seminary in Los Angeles, Fuller Seminary, there were uh, several events that took place. You know, I was, I was already, had already been in ministry, had already been in campus ministry, I was beefing things up. I was, I was in Los Angeles. I was, I was hoping and praying to really cut my teeth in, in campus ministry on the West Coast. And then after that, after I got all my studies done, I was going to move back to Nashville, Tennessee. I was going to be getting married. I was going to be in church planting and all these different things, campus ministry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And without going into all the details, some crisis took place in my life. The kind of crisis, the kind of pain that makes you rethink everything. My life that was going this way was all of a sudden upside down. And my dreams of ministry, my dreams of church planning, my dreams of getting paid, my dreams of money, my dreams of all the things of how I was going to make this happen just got... Sorry if you're listening online. That wasn't the most pleasant sound effect. It didn't go well. And I was actually, I had called my folks in St. Louis, which is where I was from. And I was checking out of ministry completely. I was going to leave seminary early. I was going to move back home to St. Louis. I was going to begin working either with or for my dad. Because my major was investments, finance, economics. That's what I knew. I was good at it. That's what I was going to do. I was hurt. And I was running. And last night, it was about 3 a.m., I'm in this bunk bed. You know, we've got it. There's a bunch of guys that are living together in this apartment on Wilshire Avenue there close to UCLA. And I wake up at 3 a.m., It's one of those moments where you just know, okay, I shouldn't be awake right now. It's not the pizza that I just ate. God, what are you doing here? And I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, get up. Okay, it's 3 a.m. Get your Bible. Okay, God, out of bed pitch black, sit on the floor of the living room in my apartment, flip on the lights. I said, God, I am so down in the dumps right now. I don't even know where to turn in this big old book. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to just let this thing open. (laughs) And I need you to speak to me. I don't encourage that, by the way, but it's where I was. You just have to understand, I was at an absolute low point. And so in the middle of my living room, I take my Bible, I I plop it on the floor, I, I, I plop it open, and I turn to this passage, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and a release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of 
vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of a despair. Here I am. It's three in the morning. I'm laying on the, on the, on the floor reading this passage and the stream of tears is just coming down my eyes because I know without a shadow of a doubt that God woke me up to tell me this. Oh God, what am I supposed to do? Tough it out, Andy. <laughs> Find comfort in me. Seek me. Well, I'm, I'm getting ready to go home. No, you're not. You need to stay right where you are. Because, well, I said, Jesus, this is, this is a prophetic passage about Jesus Christ. Yes, but Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is living inside of you. And so now what is said about him and the mission that I gave him, I am now telling you. This is what I've called you to do. I have anointed you to preach. And you're going to preach. Okay. Okay. God speaks. Oftentimes we run. And God will speak again. He gets our attention again. Now in my situation, I was running. And I was running out of pain. I was running out of fear. Think of all the things that you run from God because of. You run because you don't trust him. You run because you're afraid. You run because you're worried and you're anxious. You run because you're angry. Or in Jonah's case, which is many of us, you simply don't want to do what God is asking you to do. So I'm getting my one-way ticket and I'm getting out of here. And if you're familiar with the story, I'm not even going to read it today. Because it's the part of the story that we, 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 we love to, to talk about. We love to talk to our kids about. And we miss the actual gist of the story. Jonah gets on this boat. And what happens? Storm comes. Not by accident, but because God put that thing together. And he resisted Jonah. To the point where the ship is getting ready to be pulled apart and the crew is praying and they're saying, you know, what do we do? What do we do? And Jonah says, it's me. I'm the one. Throw me overboard and you'll be fine. So they throw my man Jonah over the boat and a giant fish comes, swallows him, keeps him in his belly for three days and vomits him up on shore so that he will do what God has asked him to do. Now, I have had some storms come in my life. I've had some moments that felt like I was stuck in the belly of a fish for a couple of days. Many of you have too. And most of the time, I want to rebuke that. And I want to call down God's power. In the name of Jesus, this can't be the Lord. I bind you. I push you back. You have no power over me. I'm victorious. Jesus died for me. I'm now a conqueror in Jesus over sin and death. Meanwhile, the storm that is in my life is because God brought it to my life. And I'm trying to rebuke God. If Jonah was here, what would he tell us today? 
I think he'd sign a nice little post-it note and say, not every storm is from the devil. And he'd say this other piece that I think we all need to hear. Before we get there, let me just, let me explain this for a second because God has asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. He's asked Jonah to go preach. And Jonah doesn't want to do what God has asked him to do. So he gets on a boat and he sails the opposite direction. And it's so, it's in such contrast to the nature of God, to who he is that he cannot let this go. He cannot let this pass. There are plenty of times where we see people running from God and basically God lets them run till the gas tank hits E and they finally turn back to him, but not in this case. Jonah starts running and God starts running right after him. He begins to chase him down and he begins to resist him with the strength basically of a hurricane. And as if that wasn't enough, he then begins to resist Jonah with the strength of a fish that can swallow him whole. Until Jonah will repent in his heart and turn to God and do what God was asking him to do. But let's just, let's just take a time out for a second. What was Jonah's great offense? Did he cheat on his wife? Was he robbing from the temple? Was he killing somebody? Was he a gossip? Was he a slanderer? What was he doing that was such an affront to the nature and character of God that he had to bring a storm and a fish to make things right by Jonah? Just one thing. He didn't want to go talk to some people about God. That's it. God said, go and open your mouth. And Jonah said, no, I don't want to. And he started running. And God said, I don't think so. I want you to hear this, church. Because the book of Jonah, if anything, it reminds us of some of the very characteristics of God. And God, our God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for humanity, is grieved when his people choose to become the end user of his goodness and his grace. And he will bring storms to your life and to mine when we choose to keep what God has done in our life to ourselves. He will fight you on it. He will resist you on it. And he will move in such a way as to reroute you so that you will open your mouth and declare what God has done. That's a hard lesson to learn. 
And it's a lesson that I'm asking that none of us would have to be forced to learn, but that we would understand, fully grasp, and get the goodness of God and God's heart for those who don't know him. Because if God is passionate about anything, he is passionate about enemies being made his friends, about those who are lost being made found, those who are dead being made alive. And when the church says, hmm, we're just not that interested in that, we've got real problems with our love for Jesus and our love for God because that reveals something. We don't know him very well because that is core to the nature of God. You guys with me? It's a lot to handle today. Jonah, Jonah will hurt you. Jonah will cut us deep today. Jonah 3, chapter 3, 1 through 5. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. This is after he's been spit up on a beach. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And so guess what? Jonah finally obeyed. He went to Nineveh. It was a large city. It took him three days to go through it. He began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the Ninevites believed God, this wicked city. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah still wasn't happy. Jonah was still upset. He says in chapter 4, verse 2, Isn't this what I said, God, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, that you are slow to anger, that you are abounding in love, and that you are a God who relents from sending calamity. And Jonah asked for God to literally take his life. He was so distraught that these people had repented that these people were turning to God. Now you got to understand there's tensions here. This is his like worst mortal enemy. And so we see that, that Jonah doesn't care about his enemies. And that bothers God. How much more should we care? about the person who's living next door who's sleeping in a bed across the street if God is grieved that Jonah will not preach the gospel that he won't be prayerful that he won't be humble that he won't be passionate about giving this message of life to his enemies, how much more grieved is the very God, the same God, 
when we can't even talk about it to the people we care about. When we won't have the courage to sit down and say, friend, I've got to talk to you. Fraternity brothers, you got to hear this. Sorority, I've got to share this with you. Mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, neighbor. I know this is awkward. I, I know this is, might be difficult to hear, but I was dead and now I'm alive. And I have got to tell you about God's goodness. I've got to tell you about his greatness. I've got to tell you about the story of the God that I serve and the son that he sent to die, not only for me, but for you. Are you keeping it to yourself? God isn't a respecter of personalities. He's not concerned as to whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. If he says go, we go. If he says speak, we speak. sake, I won't read it, but God teaches Jonah a lesson. Jonah goes and he preaches and he, these people begin to repent. He goes outside the city and he lays down on this little hill and he says, God, I'm ready to die. <laughs> what a dirty dog, right? The sun is scorching him and his head is burning and God ordains it that a plant would grow up right where he's sitting. Miraculously, this little tree grows and it provides him shade and all of a sudden Jonah is so happy. And the next day, God destroys the plant. And you know what Jonah says again? I wish I were dead. And God says, you're so grieved over this little plant that you did nothing about you didn't nurture it. You didn't grow it. You didn't take care of it. And you're more bothered by the fact that this plant has perished than 120,000 people who do not know me. And I want you to hear this, church. I've got to hear this. It's so easy to be more concerned with the condition of our yard than the condition of our neighbors. It's easy to be more concerned and burdened about our paycheck than the one who's actually signing the checks. It's easier to be concerned about your cubicle and your office space than it is the very people that you're rubbing shoulders with day in and day out. And the things we get bothered by and grieved by and upset about, and God, take me now. We miss the heart of God for the people around us. Jesus says it like this as we close this morning. 
He says it in Matthew 12. None, he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to a crowd of people who want a sign that he is who he says he is. And he says, no sign's gonna be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What Jesus is saying is that the sign that this generation needs is I was in darkness and now I'm in light. I was dead and now I'm alive. I was running from God and now I'm running to God. My life felt like a storm. My life felt like a hurricane. My life was an absolute disaster. And God brought me peace. See, the good news of the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus is that there is hope. The message of Jesus is that he died for your sin. The message of Jesus is that you can be free, that you don't have to continue living this way, that you can be saved, that the storm of your life can be quenched, that Jesus Christ will take the brunt of your storm, the storm of your sin. And he'll replace it with the only thing that he can give, Excuse me, not the only thing. The only place you can find it. Jesus and peace. But if you keep that to yourselves, we're missing out on the very mission of God. And I don't want to miss out on a second of it. Does that mean that you now need to go to Swift Kintrill Park? get a megaphone and start preaching? No. But it means you see, you, the righteous, the Bible says, are as bold as a lion. And so if you are paralyzed by fear of talking to someone, here's where it begins. God, give me courage. God, give me faith today. God, I pray for an open opportunity. I pray for an open door. I'm praying for my boss today. I'm praying for my neighbor today. And God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to relent, Lord. Far be it from me to hear you beckoning me and run the opposite direction and keep this to myself. God, use me. God, shape me. God, help me. I'm nervous. Lord, I'm anxious. God, would you bring me peace? Would you help me do this? I don't know what to say. Thank God the Holy Spirit promises to give you the words you need at the exact moment. And so you get to trust Him. You get to hear Him. And you get to do what He says. cannot keep this to ourselves. We cannot keep this to this room. You cannot keep this away from your campus or away from your neighborhood. Jesus saves. And he is the only one who can do it. Father, help us. 
Lord, as we read from the book of Jonah, God, we want to stop running. God, we want to have courage. We want to be bold. We want to have our hearts broken for the things that break your heart, God. And Lord, we are crying out to you this morning and we're saying, help us, Lord. God, help us to be men and women who declare and proclaim your goodness and your greatness and the message of your Son, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, died for our sins, rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death. God, help us. Help us to hear and help us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. A spring break right now. Lots of people are relaxing. Lots of people are chilling. Lots of our folks are gone, probably at the beach, wherever. I don't know. Doing whatever people do on spring break. And over the next week, over the next two weeks, it's Palm Sunday and then it's Easter Sunday. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to take a step of faith. We're talking about it today. Do not run. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, don't run from letting God use you. And so on your seat is a little card that says plus one, and we are encouraging you to be prayerful about the people that God has put in your life. Be praying for your neighbor. Be praying for a friend. Be looking with great intentionality how you can be used in their life. Do not be passive. Be aggressive for the kingdom of God. Try to bring somebody Easter Sunday. It's a a great moment for the gospel to go forth, to be preached, for people to respond. That's my prayer for us.